All right. Well, hopefully you can hear me at this point. And I just want to say we appreciate your church and getting to know you. I can take this off. Getting to know all of you. I remember we first met Andrew and Lorna at Tommy and Teresa's house a couple of years ago. And we're just so blessed getting to know them and hearing their heart uh, to serve the Lord and then getting to know all of you a little bit more. And uh, we just want you to know we think Enniscorthy Christian Fellowship is a special place and uh, God is at work here. And I'm really excited to get to um, uh, bring the word of God to you today. It's, it's exciting to me to see so many young people involved in the worship uh, here. Um, I, I really appreciate that. And you guys do a great job. You put your heart and soul into it, all of you, um, as you serve the Lord. And uh, so I want to uh, get you to turn in a moment to Acts chapter 26. Uh, we're going to look at the Word of God together. And um, trust the Lord will use uh, this in, in your hearts as we look t- together today into his Word. Have you ever been watching television um, or maybe watching a video on the Internet and some famous person comes on the screen? Uh, maybe a musician or an actor um, or a world leader or some uh, business person and you look at that person and you say, wow, that's success, you know. Uh, that person is really making a difference, you know. I've done that, you know. I recently uh, heard an interview with a guy named Elon Musk. How many of you know that ma- name, okay? Elon Musk, the, the Tesla guy who, who makes the electric cars. Um, well, I remember seeing an interview with him and thinking, wow, here's a guy that has launched space rockets into outer space. Um, he has this multi-billion euro uh, electric car company. I think, wow, you know, there's a guy, he's a success. He's making a difference, you know. You know, it's remarkable as the achievements of some of these uh, famous people might be. God actually looks at success quite differently than we do. And sometimes people who have achieved ultimate worldly success, there's some things that they can't do that you and I as believers can do. Okay? Uh, in, I'm going to show you a verse here. In Psalm 49, uh, verse 5 through 9, it says this. It says, Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches, no one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. And our, our focus this morning is not to unpack that verse, but I just want you to notice it puts in perspective wealth and success and fame that even though a person might have wealth and success and fame, the one thing that they can't do um, is to redeem someone else's soul, is to enable somebody else to live forever. Okay, Despite their achievements, uh, they can't do anything to make someone live forever. But do you know what? You and I as believers, while we can't make someone live forever, we can help someone uh, to have a relationship with God. We can tell people about Jesus who can make them live forever. So you can do something Elon Musk could never do uh, by simply sharing Christ with people. And you see, the good news of Jesus Christ and the salvation that he brings is the most important thing in the world. I was recently just rebuked, uh, you know, by looking at famous people and thinking, wow, 
you know, that's success. That's making a difference. And I recognize, hold on, success and making a difference is living for God and being able to impact other lives so that they can know Jesus Christ. You know, the good news of Jesus Christ is more important than any pop star, any film star, any sports star. Uh, It's more important than having a fancy house or an expensive car and all the trappings of wealth. Uh, It's more important than what's happening in the corridors of power in our country and in our world. Uh, You know, we could look at political leaders and think, wow, that's influence. But you know, as great as the influence of any famous person is, what Sam says here is, they can't help somebody live forever, no matter how much money or influence they have. And it's so important. You know, Jeff Bezos is the founder of Amazon. And uh, he is apparently uh, the richest man in the world. He's worth $116 billion. Okay? Wow. You know, that is, is big money. But you know, in comparison to the good news of Jesus Christ, Jeff Bezos trades in trifling things. Okay? It's not nearly as important as the good news of Jesus Christ. And the good news which has changed our lives and which we are given the job of communicating to others in our world, is of the utmost importance. The gospel is so important. You know, the burning question for us often is, though, how? I'm going to answer that question, what, in a minute. But the burning question for us is, how can we communicate the gospel to others? I don't know about you, but sometimes I've been daunted by that. Uh, You know, sometimes I've done a good job, sometimes a not-so-good job. But I want to take you to a passage in Acts. And in this passage, we're going to read how Paul uh, gets an opportunity to stand before two very powerful political figures in his world. And he gets to talk to them for a few minutes. And how he uses that opportunity is an education. Because he doesn't do what we might think he would do. Okay, and we will see that in a minute. So if you if you have your Bible, let's look at uh, Acts chapter 26. Uh, We're going to look at verse one through twenty nine. And I'll kind of explain as we go along. And then we want to answer some questions from this text about how to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ to people in our world. So before we read Acts 26, let's just ask God to help us understand his word this morning. Uh, Let's just pray for a minute. Father, we thank you. Uh, Lord, for being able to gather together and worship you today. Lord, we thank you for the song that we just sang. Uh, how meaningful it is, Lord, to think about being a light in this world. And uh, Lord, my heart was blessed by that. And God, we pray that uh, your word would be simple and understandable to us. Excite us, convict us, challenge us. And Lord, we pray you would use us in our world. Um, and Spirit of God, we just ask that you would be pleased Uh, to help us and to speak to our hearts for the glory of Jesus Christ today. And Lord, we thank you. Amen. Well, I'm going to read, uh, as I said, Acts 26, and I'll kind of stop as I go along um, and explain a little bit. So Acts chapter 26, starting in verse um, 1, as it starts out, Agrippa, who is one of the political leaders Paul is speaking to, um, he addresses Paul. It says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews. And especially so because you are well acquainted 
with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. There's three characters in this scene that we're going to look at this morning. One, of course, is the Apostle Paul, and he is on trial for preaching the gospel. The Jews have conspired to get him in trouble with the Roman authorities because he's been preaching the gospel. And then there's Agrippa, uh, who gives Paul permission to speak. Agrippa is a political ruler in the region of Israel, where he's uh, ministering. And then there's also Felix. He's another ruler, another ruler in the Roman Empire. And these two men are going to listen to Paul give a defense of why he was preaching the gospel and why they shouldn't imprison him or even put him to death uh, for what he's done. Uh, But notice, uh, it tells us a little bit about Agrippa. Paul says, I'm glad I'm talking to you, Agrippa, because you know about the Jews and their customs and their controversies and questions. You know, I think Agrippa was unlike a lot of the Roman rulers in that a lot of Roman rulers ruled by might, by force, and they really didn't care much for the people they were leading uh, they just wanted to rule and to use their power. But Agrippa had taken the time to study the Jewish religion. And no doubt he had read the Old Testament scriptures himself. And Paul refers to that as he's talking to Agrippa. Um, he knew, un- knew the prophets. He had uh, read uh, the prophets. Well, it continues on in verse 4. Uh, Paul starts his defense by talking a little bit, a bit about himself. It says in verse 4, The Jews all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country, and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our twelve tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. O King, it is because of the hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? And then in verse 9, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. And Paul here, in the first part of what he says to Agrippa and Felix, he talks about what his life was like before he met Jesus. And he really says two simple things. First, he says, I was very religious, I was trying to follow um, the Jewish religion. And secondly, he talks about how that he persecuted Christians. And he went around uh, to different synagogues and those that were um, believers, he would arrest them. And it's very sad, it says there that when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. In other words, uh, when some of these believers were actually killed for their faith, uh, presumably by the Roman Empire, by the Roman authorities, he would actually give his vote against them. He would say, yeah, they need to be killed. You know, imagine having that on your conscience later on as a Christian. I mean, that was um, one of the reasons, I think, why Paul was just amazed that God would use his life. And yet this was his story. So he tells his story. um, This is who I was before I met Jesus. 
And then in verse 12, he begins to tell how he met Jesus. And it's dramatic here. Verse 12, it says, On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, I was on the road. I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom, who, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among them who are sanctified by faith in me. And notice, Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's going there to persecute Christians. He meets Jesus. And Jesus, in the same interaction, um, he tells him who he is. And Paul believes on Jesus. He is born again. He is forgiven at that moment. And then Jesus commissions him to take that message which has just changed his life and bring it to others. He says, I want you to take that message and I am going to help you and you will be able to bring it to others. And then in the end of um, his story, as he tells it, he tells about what his life has been like since he met Jesus. Okay, starting in verse 19, it says, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and to the Gentiles also, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. That is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But I have had God's help to this very day, and so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Quite a lengthy passage that we've just read. But I want you to think about what we've um, just looked at. You know, if you were to stand before uh, someone great and powerful, and you had an opportunity to talk about Jesus, what would you say? What would you say? Uh, You know, we might think, well, I would give a reasoned, philosophical argument for the existence of God. But you know, that's not what Paul did, okay? He simply told his experience of Jesus Christ. And as you can, as we'll see when we look at uh, particularly Agrippa's reaction to that, that was more powerful than I believe anything else he could have said in the few minutes he had to speak to these powerful people. And so, um, in answer to the question, Uh, Again, we're trying to ask the question, how do we communicate the good news of Jesus Christ to the world around us? One simple place to start, this is so simple, is to tell the story of how you were born again to anyone you can get to listen to you. Okay? Tell them your story. So simple. You know, it's amazing, even in our subjective culture, People will rarely argue with your experience. They'll say, well, that's your experience. 
And when you share your story, people may not agree with it, but they will listen because that is your experience. Uh, you know, I recently read of a missionary in Asia. His name is Ying Kai, still serving God in Asia. And uh, Ying Kai said this, um, as he trains believers to uh, share the good news with other people, he very much emphasizes how to share your story in a simple way. Okay, And what he says is this, he says, there's no place in the world, even restricted access countries, you know, countries where it's illegal to be a Christian, where you're not allowed, uh, you know, to go out in public and read the word of God or teach the good news of Jesus Christ. Even in a restricted access nation, you can tell your story. No one will stop you from telling your experience of Jesus. And it's such a powerful thing. And so in answer to the first question, we're going to try to answer three questions um, in the last part of the message here. First of all, the what of sharing the good news. Um, secondly, the why. Why should we share our story with others? And uh, then lastly, um, I have to look at my notes here because I can't remember the last question. Um, we're going to answer the question, how? Okay, How to go about uh, sharing your story. So uh, the, the answer to the question, what, again, is, uh, as you can see on the screen, um, that we should share the story of how we were born again with anyone who will listen. Why should we do it? You know, it's one thing to know what we're supposed to do. But it's quite another thing to be motivated to do it. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I really didn't want to talk to anyone about Jesus. I just wanted to live my life and blend in. And uh, even though there were maybe people asking me questions, I didn't want to go there, you know. Uh, Because there were been points in my Christian life where I lacked the motivation to maybe say something that could help uh, somebody, to tell what Jesus has done in my life. Well, why should we share um, our story? The first reason is because the good news can transform people just like it transformed Paul. You, know, you think about Paul. When Paul first came to Christ, the believers in the first century were terrified of him. Okay? They were very afraid of him. Why? Because they thought he was faking. They thought this was the guy who was so, uh, you know, devout to the Jewish religion. And he was actually going around and breaking up churches and being the cause of Christians, you know, being imprisoned or even dying. He could never get saved. They thought God couldn't save a guy like that. And, you know... If God could save and change Paul, he can save and change anybody, okay? Uh, You know, our faith is sometimes small, but may God give us the faith to believe that anyone uh, can come to Christ and have their lives changed as Jesus works in their life. You know, Paul, again, he was religious, he was self-righteous, he was persecuting Christians, but God saved him and changed his life. I recently heard the story of a guy named Nick Park. Nick Park grew up in Belfast uh, during the Troubles. And uh, he was homeless, and he said he was a confessed atheist. I watched a video of his testimony recently. He said he was a, he was a conf- uh, you know, confirmed atheist. He said, I looked around um, at my world, and people were killing each other ostensibly over religion, he said. He said, um, I would watch the funerals going down the road uh, by where I was sleeping out on the street homeless. And he said, there can't be a God. He said, I looked at Christians that I knew 
and they would go into church and they looked so miserable. He said they looked like they were going to the dentist. And he said, I didn't want the religion they had. They looked miserable. They looked like they were going to get their teeth drilled. And he said they looked even more miserable when they would come out of church. He said, there can't be a God, you know. Um, And so he went on in his life. He was an alcoholic. He was homeless on the streets of Belfast. And you can imagine how dangerous that was in the 80s. You know, there's bullets whizzing over his head at times. A very dangerous place to be. Well, he got in trouble with uh, some of the paramilitaries and they wanted to kill Nick. And literally they were trying to find him so they could kill him. Um, And so he went to the Salvation Army shelter there in Belfast. It was the only place where he could get in and stay somewhere. So they gave him a place to stay. And he said in the Salvation Army, he met some Christians that were different from many of the Christians that he had seen, you know, going to church, looking like they were going to the dentist. And he said they had the joy of the Lord. He said they were living for God and he said their lives were different from mine. They weren't doing a lot of the things that I thought would make me happy. And I was doing those things and I was miserable and they weren't doing those things and they were so happy. They were joyful. There was a a reality of that in their lives. And he said, as he was there in the Salvation Army um, homeless shelter, they were going to have a gospel meeting. And some of these Christians said, why don't you come to the gospel meeting? Well, he went to the gospel meeting and he said, I didn't necessarily want Jesus, but I wanted that joy that they had. And he said, I went to that meeting to see if I could get the joy without having to get Jesus. Okay, And uh, went to this meeting. And he said as he sat there, you know, he was a rough young guy. I mean, he had a mohawk dyed green uh, down the middle of his his head and the sides of his head were shaved. He um, was, you know, he said he'd been living homeless. Um, His appearance was rough. His clothes were tattered. He, you know, he was smelly. He said, I've been living out on the street. And he said, I came in there. I wasn't like a, a lot of the other people there. I really stuck out. And uh, But he, he went in, he sat down and he listened. And he said as he listened to that message, as the good news of Jesus was explained, he said it came to a point in the message where he said, I didn't just want the joy anymore. He said, I wanted the whole package. I wanted Jesus. I wanted to be saved. I wanted to follow Jesus. I wanted what the preacher was talking about. And he said, he, uh, uh, the preacher at the end said, listen, everyone bow your heads. Let's talk to God for a minute. And he he called on anyone. He said, if there's anyone here and you need to be saved, why don't you come forward? And one of us will will be able to help you from a Bible uh, and show you uh, how to be saved, how to put your faith in Jesus. And he says, he he felt so out of place. He felt so self-conscious. But he made a deal with God. He He said he prayed the first prayer he ever prayed. He said, God, if you, if I stand to my feet, if you get me to the front, I will be saved. I will ask you to save me. And he said he did. He stood to his feet and he said he doesn't know how, but he got to the front of the room. And uh, waiting for him there was a police officer, would you believe? Okay. And uh, he looked at this man and he wanted to run out the door. And um, he said this guy had been the guy many times who had arrested him on the streets of Belfast. But he didn't know it. But this guy was also a believer. And he said, the, the police officer grabbed his arm and he said, oh no, I'm for it now, you know, I'm going to be in prison again. And the police officer said to him, you know, I've often been the arresting officer when you came to Christ, when you were in trouble rather. <laughs> but he said, today, 
if you will ask Jesus to save you, we'll be brothers through Jesus. And Nick, that day, he asked Jesus to save him. And he said he began to experience the joy of the Lord in his life. And uh, years have passed. He's served God for many years now. And many other people have come to Christ. He's actually a pastor uh, now in Ireland. And uh, what an amazing story. But again, I share that story just as one example of how Jesus Christ can change lives. You know, people can change. You know, sometimes you hear in the media, uh, you know, on television programs, the, almost this mantra, people don't change. Do you know what? People do change. Through Jesus Christ, people can change. Um, and God can work in people's lives. So why should we tell our story? Because the good news can transform people like it transformed Paul, like it transformed you. And your experience of what Jesus has done in your life can help others. But there's a second reason. second reason uh, why we should share the story of what God has done in our lives. It's because... Your personal story can have a powerful impact. Notice what it says here in Acts uh, 26, 27 and 28. Um, After Paul shares the story, Festus says basically, you're crazy. Or Felix, sorry, says, you're crazy, okay? You're nuts. But Agrippa has quite a different response. He says this, uh, Paul turns to him and he says, um, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. And Agrippa says this, uh, do you think that in such a short time uh, you can persuade me to be a Christian? Sounds like kind of a sarcastic response at first glance. But think about what Agrippa is saying there. He's saying, do you think you can persuade me to be a Christian in such a short time? I mean, I, I'm like, a, I'm a Roman ruler. I'm a really intelligent guy. I mean, I've studied. You think you can persuade me by just telling me your story? Now think about it for a second. Paul never told Agrippa, uh, as he told a story, that Agrippa personally needed to be a Christian. Do you know who told Agrippa that? The Holy Spirit. As he heard Paul's story, Agrippa said, you know, I need to do that. I need to do that. And I wonder, you know, where Agrippa and Paul may be similar in age. And Agrippa really identified with some of the things Paul was saying. And Agrippa is actually starting to visualize himself becoming a Christian. And he realizes this is not just for Paul. I need to become a Christian because the Spirit of God is working in his life. And it's almost as though he feels the need to defend himself. He says, do you think you're going to convince me to become a believer in such a short time? And I think um, what's happening here is he's being convicted. And it demonstrates the power um, of sharing our personal story. You know, part of the impact of a testimony is when you share your story uh, oftentimes somebody recognizes that you are a normal person who has problems and needs and struggles like anyone else, and yet you have put your faith in Jesus and it is making a positive difference in your life. And it's powerful because it demolishes the idea that, uh, you know, Christians are an alien life form, okay? People realize, hold on, Christians are just normal people who have a relationship with Jesus. And so it's powerful to tell uh, your story. And it's interesting, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I've been sharing some thoughts and concepts. But the minute I started sharing Nick Park's story, everybody was glued. And you know why that is? It's because human beings love stories, okay? 
And I've noticed that, you know, as you speak to people, when you simply tell your story in a simple way, people will often listen to that way more than, you know, sharing some logical truths. And we need to do that as well. Do you know what I mean? But that story grips them. And sometimes even somebody who maybe is antagonistic towards God or towards the gospel, when you share your story, they will listen to that. Well, as we close, um, I want to just show you one more thing. Uh, that can be a help to us. We've answered the question why. We should share our story because the good news can change people's lives because your story can be impacting. But how do we do that? Well, I think the best way to share your story is uh, to follow Paul's example here in in Acts 26, uh, verse 4 to 23. It divides kind of neatly into three sections, okay? First of all, Paul talks about his life before Christ. When you share your story, talk about your life before Christ. Um, That can be helpful. Be honest, because this makes your testimony more compelling and it gives God the glory. You know, we're doing a project right now with Faith on Fire called the My Story Project. And uh, we are recording videos of people sharing their story. And uh, we've produced one and um, we have another one that is in production and we're scheduling more um, uh, shooting sessions, but uh, not to shoot with a gun, but to shoot with a camera. Okay, all right, just just clarify that. Um, but uh, as we share those stories, what I found is the stories that are most interesting to watch are often where the people are just honest. They're like, yeah, this was happening in my life, and, you know, this was happening. You know what? People identify with that, and it is powerful. Let me also say this, different stories connect with different people. And don't feel like you have to have a certain kind of story to share it. Um, you know, your story might not be the same as somebody else's, but different stories connect with different people. So share your story. Now, the second thing, when you share your story, um, talk about how you began your relationship with Christ. Very simply, how you began your relationship with Christ. And of course... Um, it's supposed to be an improvement for the better. Now, we all know that being a Christian doesn't mean your life is easy, does it? It doesn't mean your life is a walk in the park. It doesn't mean we don't face real and sometimes heartbreaking challenges in our life. But isn't it true that there is a, a joy and a carrying power, even sometimes through the tears, uh, that brings us through? And when we look sometimes back at our lives and the difficulties we've gone through, we think, wow, I don't know how I would have got through that without Jesus. You know, tell some of that. You know, tell some of the challenges that God has helped you um, as you share your story. But tell about how you began your relationship with Christ. Was there a believer that impacted you? Uh, Did a believer explain the gospel to you? Or share their story. You know, did you maybe attend a, 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 an event or a church service where you heard the gospel and God spoke to your heart? And talk about as best you can, when was the point that you actually believed on Jesus, that you actually trusted Jesus to save you? And so talk about how you began your relationship with Christ. And then lastly, talk a little bit about uh, your life after beginning your relationship with Christ. And that's that's what I was referring to a minute ago. Uh, you know, even through the challenges, that Jesus um, improves our life, that he gives us a joy 
And it is very important, this is very important, and I don't know, sometimes I've overlooked this when I share my story, the difference Jesus has made in my life. Because people are listening to your story and they're hoping to find out, does it work? You know? If I believe on Jesus, is this going to make my life better? You know? And that might seem a simple question, but people want to know, has this made a difference in your life? I'm finished, but I want to just share this, just briefly, the impact of sharing your story. This guy that I talked about earlier on, Ying Kai, um, he was, a, he is still a, a missionary and, and a, a, a trainer of believers uh, in Asia. And he went, uh, uh, years ago, I believe it was back in the 90s, he went to a region in China where there were three cities and there were 20 million people. And to cut a long story short, Yin Kai was a remarkable witness himself. He loved to talk to people about Jesus. He loved to do Bible studies with people. And he had been used of God to help many people come to Christ. But he realized when he came to that new place, I can't do this by myself. And one of the simple things he began to do was to train every believer he could find how to give their gospel in exactly the same way we see Paul telling his story. He, he trained them how to share their story. He said, you should be able to do it briefly in three or four minutes. You should be able to share it without, uh, you know, any big churchy words that ordinary people don't understand. And you should be able to share it uh, easily and simply. And so he began to train and enable uh, all the believers he could find in those cities. And, you know, over time, literally thousands of people came to Christ, not because Ying Kai was witnessing to them, but because all the believers, all those Chinese believers in those cities were telling people their story and explaining in a simple way how a person can come to Christ. And, you know, sometimes we hear a story like that and we think, wow, you know, that wouldn't happen in Enniscorthy. That wouldn't happen in, in Ireland. And, you know, there's no doubt that this is a different place. You know, this is a different place. But here's the challenge for us today. What would happen if we said, God... Help me to share my story even this week with somebody. Give me, open the door for me, Lord. Give me an opportunity to share with somebody how I came to Christ. God would do something, wouldn't He? He would do something and uh, He could use us uh, to help people to hear the gospel. And so my question to you as we close, are you sharing your personal story of salvation? Do you need to maybe sit down and work on preparing it? Maybe you've shared it lots of times, but you think, maybe I could do it clearer. Um, I'll give this away for free. We've got uh, on the Faith on Fire website, faithonfireireland.net. If you go to the resources page, um, there is a link called the My uh, Sharing Your Story um, link. And if you click on that, There's a free page you can download which just asks key questions to help you think about your story. And if God is burdening your heart to share your story with others, I'd encourage you to go on the website. You can download that for free, uh, even print it out. And it's a tool to help us um, better to tell our story. And maybe you need to uh, spend a little time uh, preparing to share your story. But maybe like me, you just need to start sharing it. (laughs) That's my struggle. You know, sometimes I just, I I lack motivation, I get discouraged, and I don't share the story of what Jesus has done in my life the way I perhaps could. And so God can use us. And maybe you're here today and listening to this message, 
you said, well, I don't know if I've been saved. I don't know if my life has been transformed. And uh, that is uh, something that is wonderful to be able to recognize that because then God can help us. So, you know, if God is working in your heart and you're thinking, wow, you know, I don't know that I have put my faith in Jesus yet. I don't know if I have that sort of story about what Jesus has done in my life. God wants to do that for each one of us. Um, That is uh, his offer to us. God said that he who comes to him, there's no way that Jesus will reject him or cast him out. Jesus welcomes all of us. And so my challenge to you today is to tell your story and to light your world.